in the key of vocal fry. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Fuck. I'm trying to do my favourite part from Mumbo number five. Man, how can you have a favourite part of such a classic song? Yeah, I know. A little bit of uh, Tina in the sun. A little bit of Mary having fun. A little bit of Josephine, who's also in the song. A little bit of you in my bed all night long. That's how the song goes, right? Um, I think that was the first draft. That was like Mumbo number three. Mumbo number three. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Pods in the key of spring field. Episode number twenty-three. I'm glad you're keeping track of the episode numbers because I am not. Even though I edited twenty-two, literally two days ago, and sent you a message about it, so I suppose I should remember. Yes, but it's all good. I have a. I I've been keeping track in my notebook. In your notebook. Yes. This is our first recording of the Ooh. year 2018. The date is 1-1-18, or for our American listeners, 1-1-18. The only time that your stupid backwards date system works. Yep, this one specific day, the 1st of January 2018, the one and only time. Hey, I saw a tweet today that I thought was interesting. Good. This is the only year in which... Every adult is born in the 1900s and every minor is born in the 2000s. I also saw a similar tweet. I enjoyed Possibly that. the same tweet. I Possibly think it was something like, um, yesterday was the last day where every adult was born in one decade, every minor in another. So from today, we could be seeing people legally drinking who were born in the year 2000, which is distressing. It, yes. In Australia, of course, for international listeners, we're allowed to drink at 18. Who cares about our international listeners? Uh, I mean, I do. Yeah. I love them deeply, as I've established. They are my children, and I carry them in my heart. So, today, in episode 23, we are looking at season season 3, episode 5, Homer Defined. In which Homer is defined. In which Homer is defined. And season 3, episode 6... Like father, like, like clown. Clown. In which a father is a lot like a clown in some ways. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, Homer Defined is a super low-key episode, not to be confused with a super low-key episode, where, you know, the Marvel villain or the trickster god that he is based on is pops like up. Thor's brother? Yes, Thor's brother, Loki. Right. Tom Hiddleston himself. Tom Hiddleston is not in this episode, to the best of my knowledge. He's not. I don't think so. Well, I've got seven pages of Hiddlesworth notes. <laughs> okay, let's hear them. Um, well, I mean, they, they seem rather defunct now that I know <laughs> that, that Tim Hiddlesworth's not in it. Yeah, but I want to hear your uh, Timmy Hiddlesworth <laughs> jokes anyway. <laughs> my, my Timmy Hindenburg notes. Yes. Um, okay, first note, very nice hair. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Yep. Um, second note... Good work, uh, Tammy Hinkleston. Pity that he's covered himself in bargain basement lime green polyester. <laughs> what did you think of uh, Thor Ragnarok? Um, I haven't seen it. 
Okay, because it's a movie. Because it's a movie and I don't engage with it. <laughs> yeah. You could say, I haven't thought it. Uh, would you though? No. <laughs> I would not. Did you regret that joke as it was leaving your mouth? To be honest, I've never regretted anything more. <laughs> um, so, Homer Defined starts with a chalkboard gag, but is writing, I will not squeak chalk. And there are very squeaky chalk sounds. Yes, very clever, very fun. What a good gag. Lots of fun. We fucking lost it. We were rolling around on the floor. I pissed myself. Oh, I bet they didn't regret it in the way that I regretted my Thor joke. (laughs) You could say it's become quite a Thor point for me. Shut the fuck up, right? (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) So this episode uh, opens with Barge writing a birthday card. For his good friend Milhouse. Yes. Milhouse Van Houten, little character on the show. Yes. And the card Some says, would say the ninth character of The Simpsons. <laughs> the ninth Simpson? The ninth Simpson. After Barge and Lisa and Marge and Homer and Maggie and, of course, the town of the Springfield town. itself, which I consider to be a character in The Simpsons. And Mr. Burns. Mr. Burns, the seventh Simpson. Yes. Uh, eighth uh, Ringo Starr. Ringo Starr. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Then <laughs> <And> Milhouse. Then <And> Milhouse. <laughs> okay. So, Milhouse, the ninth Simpson. Yes. We're going to have to keep this list written down somewhere, I think, to uh, keep on top of it. Don't we'll, write it now. We'll put it in the Google Doc. <laughs> so, um, Bart is writing Milhouse a birthday card. On the front is uh, Cross of the Clown, and it says something along the lines of, Hey, 10-year-old, happy birthday, uh, I couldn't afford to get your drum set, something like that. Should have written it down exactly. But uh, he... I think it's couldn't afford to fix your drum set. So he opens it up, and there's a... Large-breasted woman inside wearing a bikini and says, so how about a nice pair of bongos? Why does this card exist? Okay, I just want to point out that there was a there was a motorbike that just drove past the house that I think got picked up in the mic. Good. And that was me riding off into the sunset celebrating <laughs> that cool fucking card. <laughs> um, I mean, if did you receive a card like that when you turned 10? Did that shape you into the man you are today? I mean, the thing Because that would make a certain sense. <laughs> Jesus. The thing that I enjoy about it is that it specifically says, Happy birthday, 10-year-old. Um, <laughs> like, it's not just a generic, Hey, it's your birthday, I couldn't get you a drum. It's so um, niche. Aimed at 10 years... Perverted 10-year-olds are the target yeah. audience of this card. Yeah. Or more than likely, like, the uncles of these 10-year-olds. Oh, that's a good point. Because uncles love a good perverted birthday card. And bongos. Check out the pair on that one, I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, no, interesting card. Yeah, Um, um, here in Australia we have a card like that, but it's only available for nine-year-olds. It says, even worse. (laughs) Did you see the the headline on the paper that Homer was reading in the first scene? About the pencils? America's favourite pencil, number two, is number one. Indeed, I, I saw that. I enjoy that. Yeah, a bit of a lazy joke. No, number uh, two, not my favourite pencil though. You have a favourite pencil? Is it the HB? I like a HB. How did I know it was going to be HB? Something about you. Give off HB vibes. I think it's because it's the most standard. <laughs> HB two, a little bit too dark. Yeah, but you're not necessarily a standard guy. I feel like the pen would need to be green and have an eraser on the end for you to really... Oh. You really perked up on <laughs> I, I did. I didn't realise we were opening up to colours. I thought we were just talking about, like, gauges. I saw an actual spark in your eyes there. I mean, well, if we're talking favourite pencils of all time, then it'd have to be the forest green one that's in the middle of the little green rainbow that you get in the Derwent set. Remember, okay, remember sure. Derwent's? I remember Derwent. Derwent didn't go away. Derwent is still around. 
Yeah, sure. Sweet. Yeah. I, well, yeah. Sorry, I'm not in the pencil market at this exact moment, which is why I didn't know Dermot was Out of the pencil around. market. I'm out of the Don't pencil worry, market. you'll get back into it. And into the fryer. Um, did, did you ever have the Derwent watercolour ones? <laughs> Uh, there were pencils that had a very waxy lead and you could colour in and then like dab it with water and the, the waxy lead would bleed a bit and it would look like a watercolour painting. Look, I but love like really... dabbing, but I don't think I ever got into that particular <laughs> kind of pencil. <laughs> really, um, it looked like a, a, a watercolour painting done by a really shit artist. <laughs> like a really shit one. Was that on the box? Look like a shitty water paint artist? Yeah, I, I think it may have been at least a first slogan, if nothing else. All right, so... Number two, not number one as far as you're concerned then. No, unless um, uh, unless America has a different pencil categorization system. <laughs> uh, any American listeners, if you could write in uh, pods in the key of Springfield at gmail.com. Let just, us know about your pencil classifications. If you could just let us know if you guys have HB pencils as well. Yep. Because, I don't know, I remember we have HB and HB2, which is darker. And I wonder if that's number one number two and they've just got rid of the hb for some reason who knows this seems like something we are unlikely to ever bring up again on the podcast but we would like to know for our own benefit so if you could just let us know it would be really nice it's a really good point so homer defined like i said a moment ago this um this is an episode in which homer prevents a nuclear crisis he prevents the town from exploding yes in a ball of nuclear waste Having said that, this is a very low-key episode, uh, not like the Marvel villain. I already made that joke, but, it, you know, it just, it's very... I would say that this is a fairly chilled episode. Sure. There's a lot of just, like, nice little character moments, nice little character beats. Uh, just a lot of, like, characters hanging out in this one. Yeah, I mean, despite um, the, the overarching story of, you know, a very likely imminent death for everyone... Uh, it's a very chilled episode. Yeah. I like it. Largely, the plot is Homer presses a button in a panic and then feels imposter syndrome over it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And the uh, B plot, which I'd forgotten about entirely, is that Millhouse is not allowed to be Bud's friend anymore. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that one too. Yeah. And yeah. it's a really nice little plot line. Yeah, it's quite nice. It's lovely. Yeah. Uh, so, Bud gives him that card. They're in the bus. There's a scene in when they're in the bus where Milhouse is trying to avoid telling Bart that he had a birthday party that he couldn't invite Little Barty Boy to. Little Barty Boy. Because Little Barty Boy's a bad little boy. And um, <laughs> to try to distract him, he points out the window and says, Look at that dog. Bart looks out the window and says, Wow, brown. Yep. Which, um, this is a segment we haven't done in a little while. And every time we do an episode, you say, Oh, we should have done that segment. We forgot to do this segment. Why are we doing this segment? And I say, Nick, calm down. That's such a good impression to me. I mean, that would have been confusing to the listeners. They'd be <laughs> like, why is Nick talking to himself? <laughs> no, why is Nick talking to himself? I don't get it. Oh, fuck, you've done it again. Did, um... Didums. Does it... <laughs> Are you calling me Didums? Do you have family members who, like, they'll do an impression of somebody, but it's always, like, the same voice for every person? I am that family member. Because <laughs> that's me just doing my grandfather's voice for every person he talks about. <laughs> just everyone just sounds like this. <sighs> and they always use the line, oh, I didn't mean nothing by it. That's oh, the nice. other part of every story he tells. I oh, see, most of... somebody saying that specific. Most of, um, most of my... If I'm ever retelling a story where I have a character, yeah. most of the character voices say things like, Oh, all right. I'll just... Oh, all right then. All right then. All of my stories involve Dave Callan. Oh, I'll just go stand over here then, shall I? I'll just go stand over here then, shall I? 
Anyway, I've drifted very far from the sentence. I was midway through. <laughs> um, the segment that we have sort of left drift is How the Simpsons Ruined My Life. How the Simpsons Ruined Ooh, My Life. How it ruined my life. Uh, so, looking out and seeing something and saying, well, brown or, mm-hmm. hey, look, a blue car. Like, just reacting very strongly to very mundane things. Mundane things. I think is a thing that I do all the time and it's because of The Simpsons. That's interesting. I feel like that's definitely a... It's a thing that I have noticed you do, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Extreme reactions to very mundane things. Yeah. With the uh, the comedic element being that I am having a reaction to something that doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, a fridge. Things like that. Yeah, that's um, something I said. That's something I say every time I walk into your house, actually. But that's mm. not actually me going for the comedic reaction it's just that i don't have a fridge at home right and my milk spoils so quickly oh yeah your milk it brings all the spoils to the yard and they're like uh put it in a fridge god they're californians oh i thought i thought they were telling a security guard to put it in the fridge (laughs) put that in the fridge god (laughs) guards seize that milk Was that so, funny? <laughs> so we uh we cut back to the power plant. Carpe milkum. What? Like carpe diem. <laughs> milk. Ah oh, no. Seize the milk. Carpe milkum. Now take your books, throw them away. <laughs> Alright. Take all your books, throw them away. We don't need them where we're going. We don't need no education. <laughs> we don't need no we can't just fill it up with our stupid Dave Cowan impressions. <laughs> Fuck. So I've got a note here. Yeah. I really enjoy when Homer sticks his finger in a donut and says, mmm, purple. That is good, yeah. The um It's a similar thing to the hey, brown. I think this is definitely another thing that happened in The Simpsons and seeped into everyday life mm. is the canonization of colours having flavours. Ah uh, yes. Tastes yes. like purple. Tastes like purple. Uh, purple is a fruit is also a line that pops up in another episode yes I feel like there are other examples in the um, show somewhere that we'll stumble across yes on this great journey we're on uh, speaking of colorization of uh, sorry canonization of colors having flavors yep there's an odd little tie-in um, which is uh, when the Beatles were recording Revolver in 1966 <laughs> I'm fairly certain that's the song where they were doing Tomorrow Never Knows and John Lennon said he wanted the song to sound more like the colour purple Ooh. and then one of the audio engineers just like pushed up a slider <laughs> and he went yeah that's the one I think it's is Tomorrow Never Knows is that what the knows. Steven Spielberg film is about the colour purple is the one that stars with... Prince and Oprah Winfrey Possibly. I haven't seen the film. Neither have I. I'm going into Uncharted Waters here. Yeah. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hell. Uh, Somebody will get that. (laughs) Uh, So after um, Otto drops off all the kids at school, he then goes to the quickie mart and says he's got a bad case of the munchies. 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 Smithers, the Cheetos. <laughs> Cheetos. Um, uh, surely... Munchies. <laughs> munchies. Surely by that point, munchies was standardised lingo for a kind of marijuana-induced hunger. 
I thought that was the implication. Yeah, so so Otto is is stoned while while driving a school bus full of kids. I think this might be the first uh, official recognition of Otto as a stoner, as a, as a stoneman. Yes. Yeah. As one of the stone cutters. As, as one of the stone. Yeah. He controls the British crown, keeps the metric system down, keeps the Martians under wraps, uh, rigs every Oscar night, and he keeps he makes Steve Gutenberg a star. And he drops off the the kids to school. Yes. He does all of those things. He does all of those things. Yeah, he uses the secret stonecutters uh, pretty, tunnel. Pretty good, considering he um, would have, you know... And now he drives the school bus. And now I drive the school bus. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, sorry. Little buddy boy left in the bus. Doesn't get to go to Mexico. Another great tragedy. Uh, I'm talking about this episode being very low-key. Again, not the Marvel superhero. Um, there's... A lot of scenes early on, just in the power plant, of characters just having conversations with each other, which is really strange for The Simpsons, and I enjoyed it a lot. Mm. Just so you write Loki in your notes. And Loki in a number three. I'm keeping a Loki tally. <laughs> I want to know how many more times you're going to make that joke. Yeah, there's a scene of Mr. Burns and Smithers having a pleasant little conversation about their weekends mm-hmm. and what they got up to. Yes. There's Homer describing a movie... That he watched, where we find out that Homer's a horrible sexist human being. Yeah. Then we cut back, and Bernsey and Smithers are still talking still about this talking movie. About yeah. so they have a long conversation about an unnamed movie. They are discussing the movie in front of the bank of screens, the bank of security um, internal CCTV screens. Yeah. And then we cut back to Homer and that. Who knows how long it takes before we cut back to Burns and Smithers, but they're now over-sitting at his desk. So it's been at least... Yeah. A couple of minutes. And they're talking about what they find sexy in films. Yeah. It's cool. It's interesting. It's weird. Yeah, yeah. It's... Yeah, because it doesn't doesn't advance the plot in any way. It's just a nice little chat. Yeah, because this episode is very light on plot in general. That's a good point. The, um... Then the nuclear thing starts to happen. The meltdown. The meltdown. And it's all on Homer. Homer has to save the day. Mm -hmm. Little homeboy stepping up to the plate. Yep. Now, what I found odd here is um, a few things, actually. Sure. For one thing, it comes down to him being able to push like one specific button that will end the issue. Yes, I've got uh, a note on that. Once the meltdown kicks in, security doors lock Homer into this room, so he's the only one who can get in or out of Sector 7G. Yes. That doesn't seem sensible. No, it doesn't. That seems like a very poor... Mm-hmm. What if he hadn't been at his station when this had yeah. kicked in? Yeah, and the, the note that I've got is... If it is a one-button function, and obviously there are systems in place to recognize an imminent meltdown and do all the things like set off the alarms and shut the doors, then why doesn't the security system also just engage the function that the one button is required to do? Why isn't that automated? At the very least, the button should be very clearly marked. (laughs) Very clearly marked. Yeah. And available fucking everywhere. Yes. There should be 19 buttons in the break room. Yeah, you should be able to smash a glass, press the button, the meltdown should end immediately. Yeah. But that's, like, if it was a long, complex procedure of things where there were the temperatures that needed to be checked and mm. operations could only happen at certain times, I can understand it not being automated. If it's literally push a button and then the world immediately goes back to being fine, yeah, should be an automated procedure. Yeah, and there's this weird sort of thing where this all happens and Homer saves the day... And then there's this joke about uh, Ken Brockman when he does his little news announcement about how, you know, the plan's not going to melt down, everything's fine. Yeah. 
and he says something along the lines of this reporter promises to be less, uh, more trusting and less vigilant in the future. Mm-hmm. And the joke is, of course, yeah, that's rather toothless of the news, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should be more vigilant on this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But if nuclear disasters could actually be prevented by just pressing a single button, mm. then that would be ludicrous. That would just be... Uh, mm. Nuclear power would be completely safe and fine. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I mean, nuclear yeah. power is mostly safe and fine. Um, uh, the major- my understanding from the looking from the into it that I've done is that the majority of the things that went wrong were, um, you know, early, like the biggest one was Chernobyl in 85 or early 86, whenever it was. Yeah. Um, and, but that was a uh, power plant that was built in Soviet Russia where... Mm-hmm. They didn't have much money to build the power plant anyway, and so it was mm. it was dodgy to begin with. And then the other big spills, there was one in India and somewhere else. Well, there was one in Japan not that long ago. Yeah, the one 11 years ago in Japan, but that was as a result of... That was a unprecedentedly large earthquake that caused yeah. that one, I think. Yeah. So... Uh, it's got some dangers, but it's reasonably fun. But anyway, as long as you press the one button, as long as you press uh, yeah. exactly, it should yeah. be an automated system. Um, something I found really interesting, yes, is um, when we see the coverage unfolding about the imminent meltdown, and you've got you know Frank with his map of of uh, places that are going to be affected and all that kind of stuff. The residents in the nursing home um, flick over to Wheel of Fortune. Mm. Um, this weirdly reminded me of a story about September 11. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> um, so there was a kid at my school. Um, it wasn't me, was it? Nope. <laughs> it was a guy called Tom. Because um, we went to the same school, even though we weren't allowed to talk because your mum said that I was a bad influence and I wasn't allowed to go around your house. That's a forgotten B story to our schooling, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, forgotten yeah. B story. Um, uh, B story, by the way, not a very good movie, but you know. No, B movie was okay. Yeah, B story was no good. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> you know, it was a good B story though. That what? um story about um Grandpa Simpson falling in love with B. Oh, oh B. Oh, that's yeah. good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, back to nine eleven. Oh man, every now and then I get shudders when I think about the episode where we covered. Um, that episode of The Simpsons where Abe falls in love with B, because we had that huge theory about how Abe and B were anagrams and how it was just a, a yeah. how she was a kind of um, manifestation of his own internal. And then you went, oh no, wait, he got a hit money. Oh fuck yeah, he got a hit money. The entire plot of the episode. The entire plot of the episode. Yeah, man, we're dumb. Um, uh, no, a friend of mine was um, up late on his computer at the time that the news of the attack started coming through. Yeah. Uh, so what he did was he found a website that was streaming the New York Police Department um, scanner radio thing. Because mm. um, I don't know if that still exists now. It might be more of a security issue now. But back then, there were websites where you could just go and listen in to the, to the broadcast. I'm pretty sure that still exists. Yeah, apparently at some point during, like all the frantic messages back and forth about, you know, getting to the places and doing the things. Um, they st- they started playing REMs, It's the End of the World as We Know It, and I Feel Fine. What? Over the police radio. Uh. Now, now, I have never been able to confirm this because I haven't seen it on any websites, but this was literally the morning after it happened. I was told that story, which seems like an odd story to make up on the spot. Yeah, especially maybe for he made it up on the spot. A kid that would have been what, like fourteen, uh, fifteen, maybe. Yeah, fourteen. 
would have been 14. So That's kind of too good a joke to be telling the next day for it to be real. Yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's an odd, like, offbeat yeah. joke as well. Yeah. So, I don't know. When I say for it to be real, I mean for it to be a real joke. I feel like maybe that might... Yeah. Yeah. Huh, that's very odd. So, so this Wheel of Fortune thing reminded you of that. Because they switch over to Wheel of Fortune. Yeah, instead. because they switch over to Wheel of Fortune as a pleasant escape from what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Although that song is not a pleasant <laughs> escape, I would think, from the... Uh... Uh, look, I don't think any R.E.M. songs are a pleasant <laughs> escape, but that's because I'm an opinionated punk rocker. You know what is a pleasant escape? The actual process of R.E.M. Where you go into a really deep sleep. I see what you did there. Yeah. I do I enjoy just, some... I took the, the anagram... Or the initialization, if you will. I saw you give me that look, and I had to correct myself. I was going to correct you to acronym, but then you're right. There would have been a subsequent correction to initialization. So that's good. Um, I have a question about employee of the month. Okay, good. So you know how there's the they revealed at the end of the ceremony they revealed the wall of, of Smithers employee yeah, of the month because Homer has announced employee of the month for having prevented this having nuclear meltdown. Prevented the thing. Um, and so they do a big old ceremony. He's presented with a, uh, 20 pound ham, which I looked up as a 9.3 kilogram ham. Large ham. Fair amount of ham. Uh, a plaque and a coupon book. Yep. Um, and then they put his picture up on the employee of the month wall, which for some reason is at the back of the auditorium that they're in, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. Yep. Uh, but also we see like a hundred pictures of Smithers. The joke is that he's the only other employee who's ever been good enough to win it. Yep. Do they do the ceremony every month when it's Smithers? <laughs> or Smithers. Has he got mountains of ham at his house? I was wondering mountains that because it seemed like a very nice little ceremony and an unusual thing for Burns to do yeah. to hold a ceremony to celebrate one of his workers yeah. like that. And I assume like uh, all that other stuff was related to him preventing this disaster, whereas the Employee of the Month is like a separate sort of reward and there usually wouldn't be a ceremony for it. Wait a minute. I've just realized there's like in season five, there's a whole plotline about Homer being upset that he's the only employee who hasn't won employee of the month. Fuck. Because the dad of a carbon rod wins it. Oh yeah, Rodsey. <laughs> yeah, Rodsey. Rodney. So that's... Wait a minute, what does that mean for the canon of the show? For the canon of the show, well, you've heard... So this isn't omelette egg flip theory. I don't have a theory. I don't have a name for this theory. Yeah. But I have expressed my thoughts previously that actually... Even though we are watching episodes in chronological order, the stories and days within those episodes do not happen mm. chronologically. Indeed. Uh, every Simpsons story, because the episode... Sorry, I should clarify. Because nearly all of the episodes reset to zero at the end of it, I think that all of these stories are happening at the same moment in time. Separate from my, my <laughs> omelette-eggflip theory, yep. which is two timelines crossing, yep. this is infinite timelines happening at once. Yep. So maybe... Uh, <laughs> I was about to say Simpson Homer... Jesus Christ. I should point out we're recording... Well, we've already mentioned we're recording on New Year's Day. And New Year's Eve was a big one. So I'm not firing on all cylinders today. I'm feeling good. Um, yeah, well, buddy, <laughs> good on you. Um, um, uh, not completely lost whatever train of thought I was on. Oh, so Homer is, at the same time, in one universe, employee of the month, and in another universe never having been made Employee of the Month because every episode of The Simpsons happens at the same time mm. 
in multiple universes. I would like to point out that this is more or less the central conceit of the TV show Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty having appeared, of course, in a Simpsons couch gag fairly recently. So definite... I, su- I suppose the issue there is that um, you have to be very smart to understand Rick and Morty, and I'm, uh, yeah, s- I'm simply not smart enough for hey, that. Hey, hey, Nick, 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 would you like some uh, McDonald's Szechuan sauce? You wouldn't get it. It's a Rick and Morty. Oh. It's a Rick and Morty joke, and you have to be very, very smart to understand. Oh, see, I thought I wouldn't get it because of the the, the low supply they had. That's also one That's of also the, yeah. One of the, yeah. But it's right. mostly that you have to be really clever. Yeah. I should probably just give a little clarification that Rick and Morty is actually very good and I like it a lot. Just, am I Pickle Nick? I guess you would be Pickle Nick. Or am I Nickel Rick? <laughs> nickel Rick. Just Rick but made out of nickel? Made out of nickel, yeah. Uh, Justin Roiland, if you are listening, uh, we would be interested in pitching you our... Uh, Nickel Rick script. Uh, Justin Moynihan, if you are listening, um, do you know Danny DeVito? Because James would really like to meet Danny DeVito. Uh, DeVito, if you're out there, you might remember a few episodes back I said that I was more than willing to get rid of Nick to get you on the podcast if need be. That offer is still on the table. I will reach out to you as many times as I need to. But you're not going to be able to get rid of Nickel Rick. No, Nickel Rick is set in stone. Yeah. Yeah. You know what Nickel Rick likes doing? Pickleback shots while listening to Nickelback. All right. That's good. That's good to know. (laughs) I was about to say, is that good? And then you clarified what bit of good you meant. I'm going to cross that off. We see Marge knitting at one point. Does Marge knit? We see her crochet the blanket. I mean, she evidently does because you saw her knitting in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just conscious of it because I knit. There's a. Uh, the Should we do a competition where I give away a scarf? Yes. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> I will make a scarf. Okay, so we need to come up with a competition, I guess. We need to come up with a competition. Okay, so uh, stay tuned. We'll come up with a competition to win a scarf. Australian entries only because international shipping is bullshit, I assume. I've just had a really interesting idea for a series of scarves I could do. <laughs> okay. Uh, you, so you know we, those. You know those. We're going down this path right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know there's that, that t-shirt where it's like... You're drawing me a picture. Where it's like the Simpsons family in pixel art yeah. form. Like the, the ultra simplified Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. I could do a set of five scarves with like those corresponding colours. So like a long blue bit for Marge's hair, yeah. a green bit in the middle of her dress, and then like a little yellow bit and then her red shoes. Alright, that's mostly going to be fine, but how are you going to represent the sixth Simpson, the town of Springfield itself, in a scarf? Because you see, sometimes towns can be characters. Mm, mm, mm. Towns can be characters. Mm. That's just a scarf, but on it it says Springfield. Massachusetts. Exactly. So the central... The reason this episode is called Homer Defined is because we keep getting... Oh, yeah. ...different definitions that match up to Homer. First of all, it's more like a idiot with Dunderhead. Fuckwit, something like that. Uh, Lunkhead? Lunkhead, sure. And then it's Lucky, picture of Homer after he prevents the meltdown by accidentally pressing the right button. Yes. And then at the end, the very final scene is that uh, to pull a Homer has been added to the dictionary. Yes. And The Simpsons has a copy of this dictionary. Now. 
Yes. The thing I find interesting there is, so as you mentioned, there are three interstitials that show scrolling up a dictionary page. Mm. Uh, And then at the end of it, it turns out... Actually, there might be a fourth... There's another one that says fraud, I think. Oh. Because he's imagining, you know, he has, like I said, he suffers from imposter syndrome, as we all do. But the interesting thing here is that Homer actually is an imposter. Yes. Just like I am in everything that I do, I'm pretty fucking sure. Um, I've got something else to say about that, but I'll come back to the dictionary thing first. Um, so at the end of it, it is a, a, a physical dictionary that they are looking through. But does that mean the other interstitials that we see of the other definitions are also in physical dictionaries? I thought those were just how, Homer imagining. How often is this dictionary getting updated and how many versions of this dictionary are the Simpsons buying? Are they on a mailing list where once a week they get sent a new dictionary just in case on the off chance it's got a new word added into it? It seems like once a year one of the dictionary companies will announce like the new words that are being added to the dictionary and people mm. always get really angry about it. Mm. You know, they get really upset that, like, twerk is added to the dictionary because yes. they're just, like... The fact that language is evolving is, for some reason, deeply upsetting to people. Yes. And they go into a profound rage about how, you know, whatever age they consider to be the best age is the only age that matters to anyone in any words that have been added after about 2002 or pointless. That sort of thing. Mm, 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 so, very on the ball for this dictionary to... Not only update itself so fast, but to just hear about this one guy in the town of Springfield who had one incident that is apparently worth adding Mm. to their dictionary. Actually, that's a good point. Although it did enter the national vernacular very quickly. Pulling a homer. Pulling a homer. I don't think I've ever used the phrase, despite having used many, many of the phrases that have come up in this show. How did it get communicated back to Magic Johnson? Because there's the the congratulatory phone call. Yeah. But then we find out that Homer's just a lucky idiot. Because I believe the definition is to succeed despite idiocy. Yes. Um, Which could be the slogan for this podcast. (laughs) Um, If we were succeeding, sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it hurts because it's fun. Um, uh, Yeah, but I, I, I don't know how I got... Back to Magic Johnson. Who could say? The, so he he goes. He's hired by Shelbyville's John Lovitz yes. to go to the Shelbyville nuclear power plant. Yeah, uh, which is an interesting thing in itself because it's a, Springfield's power plant seems pretty big to me. I reckon that can probably power more than just <laughs> Springfield. But anyway, but the Shelbyville nuclear plant owner, who is a great character, who pops up in this episode and then one other episode and then never again. And then never again. Um, the uh, so Homer gets hired to go do uh, a big um, inspirational speech on what it means to uh, succeed under pressure. During that, there's another meltdown, and they ask Homer to be the one to step in to save it. Now, given that it's one button, and given that we see Homer's training induction where he's told it's one button, yes. push this button and no other, but Homer's you know doing the Rubik's Cube, um, uh and given that Shelbyville is a fully operational power plant, why don't they get their own safety officer to do it? I know. And Instead, they get home and go in and show them what they did. Like, this is going to be like a presentation for the workers there. Yeah, as opposed to someone who's meant to be following very basic uh, safety instructions. Um, it, it doesn't make any sense. And how fucked is it that two adjacent power plants have the same meltdown event within a day of each other? Mm. But their sector's 7G equivalent doesn't slam all the doors shut because the room is full of people. Full of people. Yeah. Mm. Very strange. Very strange. 
Last thing I would like to say about this episode yes. is that there's the scene towards the end where Marge goes to see uh, Mrs. Luann Van Houten yes. to talk about Bart. Bart. And it's a really, like, it sort of caught me off guard. It's a really sweet, lovely scene yeah. of Marge sitting down and saying, I know my son's not perfect, but there's like a spark in him. It makes him do bad things sometimes, but he's like a good kid. These kids only have each other. Really lovely scene of a mother, you know, connecting to her son, loving her son, defending her son, which leads right into the next fucking episode, like Father Like Clown, in which a father abandons his son and then is let off the hook 25 years later. How's Jimmy Segway over here? Ah. Um, my takeaway from the uh, Luann Van Houten scene, which also feeds into the next episode, yep. I think that the Van Houten family are the only family in Springfield with eyebrows. With eyebrows, yes. Milhouse and Luann, and I'm fairly certain Kirk, have eyebrows. Big blue bushies. Yes. No one else, or maybe Hibbert has eyebrows. Yeah, they got those BBBs. Big blue bushies. Big blue bushies. Yep. Um, So, now that we're heading into the next episode, Like Father, Like Clown, I'm just going to lift my book up to show you the notes I took for this episode. (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) You know, I, I knew that because I was just watching you and you went to turn over your page to the next one, looked at it, and then turned back to your page for home to find. So I thought, ah, didn't take any notes, I guess. <laughs> didn't take any notes, thought I'd make a showpiece out of it. <laughs> <laughs> On this largely audio podcast, mm. we have to paint a picture with our words. I, I actually... Look... We, we've got little... Well, I don't think we've got any feedback on the bonus episode we put up a few weeks ago where we unwrapped presents live <laughs> on air. I really enjoyed that episode. I thought yeah. it was a lot of fun. And I realise it's an entirely visual thing to do on an audio podcast. But guess what? Podcasting has no rules. It's fine. <laughs> if anyone liked it, please let me know so I can stop worrying about it. I really enjoyed the ASMR of un- unwrapping presents. So it was all good. Uh... This episode, don't worry, I've got like a page and a half of notes, so we are good here. So this episode, like Father Like Clown, it's about Krusty realising he misses his dad, who hasn't seen in 25 years. His dad abandoned him when he realised he wanted to be a clown. His dad's a piece of shit. That's my prevailing theory. That's my takeaway, yeah. On this episode. So it opens with Krusty throwing an axe at Mel, so you know. Yep. Maybe he's not the best clown in the world, who can say? No, well, the, the, the axe hit, bonks Mel in the head. Yep. Which is probably not what it was meant to do, given the look Krusty barrels down the camera. Yep, knocks him into a coma. The rest of the episode is a coma dream that Mel has about about Krusty suffering. Weekend at Mel's. Yep, that's neither here nor there. Um, in this one, we get to meet Lois Pennycandy. Yes. Who is Krusty's assistant. Yes. Who I don't know if we ever see her again, but she's in love with Krusty. Mm. And look, Lois Pennycandy, if you are out there, you are a total babe and I would definitely, definitely marry you. Where does she sit on the, um, on the scale of, uh, Betty from the Flintstones? Oh, on the Betty scale? On the Betty scale. Okay, so if we're putting Betty right at the top and then... Who else is around the top of this scale? Who are the other, like, cartoon women? Well, I mean, are? I think a lot of people would put Jessica Rabbit above Betty. She's a, she's a rabbit. I don't know. It's weird. I'm not into that. I'm not about that, fam. A lot of people would put Lola Bunny right at the top as well. Another rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's get off of rabbits for a moment. Some people might find Peter Rabbit very attractive. <laughs> <laughs> what, the one that had a fly upon his nose? <laughs> Yeah. So he flipped it and he flopped it until it flew away? But also the one that goes into Mr. McGregor's garden. Yeah, okay. Peter Rabbit. Yeah. Um, 
I thought the chair from the from the Enid Blight and Magic Faraway Tree series of books, you know, the the, the 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 wishing chair. Oh yeah, I'd fuck that chair. The wishing chair. Yeah, that's the one that had little wings on it. So yeah, on, on it's a sexy little, chair. Cherry feet. <laughs> Pretty good chair. Much better than the woman that lived up the the Magic Faraway Tree that kept throwing her washing water out <laughs> down onto the kids as they try to climb up the tree. <laughs> anyway, anyway, right. um. Having talked about chairs, we'd like to fuck. <laughs> Let's get back to The Simpsons. Uh, uh, there's a scene early on where Krusty, he says he's too busy to go and have um, dinner with Bart, who back in season one saved him from prison. Yes. And Lois Penny Candy tells Marge he's busy, he can't make it. Now, The Simpsons version of Krusty being busy, it shows him cleaning out his shower, yes. getting the mold out, now, to me, this constitutes actual busyness. Oh, yeah. I felt guilty watching that because yeah. my version of, like, saying I'm busy but not actually being busy is, like, I watch Netflix mm. or, like, play a video game I don't like. Mm. <laughs> That's the... Like, cleaning the shower is something I actually need to do Netflix. within yes. the next week. I have a rental inspection coming up and my shower needs cleaning pretty badly. I do not have a rental inspection, but my shower also needs cleaning pretty badly. Yes. Um, I, um... Uh, I did enjoy the nice little touch of reality where he's scrubbing and says lousy mildew and then he just <laughs> gives up and says, ah, good enough. Yeah. Because that's, that's my approach to cleaning everything. I just don't understand why Crossy is cleaning his own bathroom. Isn't he fabulously wealthy? Uh, yeah, but yeah. He's, he's got a common touch, you know. Yeah, I suppose that's why he wears the clan makeup at all times and he's got the red rubber nose and everything. Yeah, common, touch. common touch. Common touch. He's got the touch. Dun, the rest of the song. Um... There's a scene early on where Krusty is holding a card that says sex chat and then a phone number. And it's just a scene of him staring at this guy saying, ooh, sex chat. <laughs> Which I really enjoyed because what is the setup for this? Where did he find this card? <laughs> Why is he holding yeah. it up and loudly narrating what it is in the way that he does? Ooh, sex chat. Sex chat. Uh, I mean, the card's nice and to the point, mm. but... Yeah, it's weird that is, because they they clearly in the writers' room had the joke of well, let's just connect five guys in a in a conference call and have no women there. Yeah. How do we get into that? I don't know. What if he just picks up a card and says, "Ooh, sex chat." <laughs> yeah. you know, ah, fucking good enough. <laughs> and there's an actual phone number on there. I wonder what would happen if you called that number. I thought the number was just one nine oh nine. I think it was one nine one nine sex. Uh, that makes sense. It does make sex. What? Oh, ho, ho. getting a little blue here. Betty Rubble. <laughs> what about her? Oh, just okay. Very attractive cartoon. Lois Penny Candy. All right then. Uh, mm. So eventually, Krusty goes. Initially, I thought Penny Candy was a reference to the Bond secretary, but she's Money Penny, isn't she? Yeah, I think it is though. Yeah. Yeah. But. Penny candy, money penny. Yeah, I mean, the, the word, all the interconnected. Word, the word penny appears in both. Yeah. But, no, oh, anyway, whatever. I don't, I don't see the connection between money well, it's and It's like the candy. clown version. You know, clowns love candy. Haven't I always said that? Clowns love candy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Was that an okay, Mrs. Glick? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Sounded all right coming through my headphones. <laughs> right in, let us know. So, Krusty, uh, he goes to the Simpsons' house, has a little dinner... And then they get into Krusty's dad. It's very awkward the way they do. Just somebody mentions, Lisa mentions Mel Brooks. 
Krusty starts crying and says, this reminds me of my dad. That's uh, my Krusty impression, by the way. No, I think it, it's one of those things that I'd never picked up on, up on it until this watching. Yeah. I think he actually refers... So he does um, the uh, 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 Jewish prayer, uh, Hebrew prayer for before eating yeah. meal. And then I think he says, oh, saying the such and such brings it all back. So I think it's a connection to his... Um, Jewish upbringing as a child. I thought I thought they were saying uh, talking about the the Jewish something something. I think it was something specific to Mel Brooks. I think that was Maybe. the implication. We're we looking it up now. Yeah, I'm just gonna quickly look it up. At this point in the podcast, James and Nick took a moment to look up what the line from the episode was. I'm saying this because editing around these things is often very awkward. Mm. Saying the Bruker brings back a lot of painful memories. Oh, it is the Bruker. Oh, oh, they just spelt they, it wrong on... They spelt it wrong on Frinkiak. Uh, B-E-R-A-K-H-A-H. Okay, so it is the... Yeah, the Bruker is the, the yeah. prayer. That's weird because I'd always heard that as like a pet name for Mel Brooks. Interesting. Because it kind of sounds... It sounds yeah. Brooksian. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's similar. There's the B and the R sound, really. And, and, and the K, K yes. And K. So and I an, always an, thought it was a reference to Mel Brooks. And an O slash O. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. Because I, to be completely honest, I don't know what I thought it used to be. Mm. But in today's watching, I was like, oh, no, you must be talking about the prayer that he That makes doing. a lot more sense. Yeah, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. After, like, 85 misviewings of this episode, yeah. I now finally understand. Uh, I'm glad we went into that. Yeah. And we delved deep uh, on Krusty's shitty father, played by the, um, I've got here the great Jackie Mason, and then after that clarification, I say great, because I know you're meant to call Jackie Mason great, I'm not actually familiar with anything he's done, I just know that he's considered the great Jackie Mason, people love Jackie Mason. I know that at 420 he was a stonemason. Oh, fuck. (laughs) He was a stonecutter, yes. Oh, stonecutter. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, he kept the British system down. Sure. He held back the electric car. <laughs> yes. He um, like robs cavefish of their sight. I like the idea that holding back the electric car could just be taken as literally like hanging onto the bumper and overpowering its engine. <laughs> could it? Well, yeah. <laughs> like I'm holding it back. I'm not letting it drive away. Yeah. Take that, Elon Musk. <laughs> yeah, Musky. <laughs> What's up, Musky? So Krusty talks about his dad. And the idea is that... Um, when he was a kid, he said, Daddy, I want to be a clown. And he said, you Good. cannot be a clown. Um, Good impression. Thank you so much. B-A. I've been working so hard on it. Yeah. All I wanted was your approval. So he works very hard. Daddy, and- I want to be a clown. And I didn't mean nothing of it. <laughs> That's if your granddad wanted to be a clown. I didn't mean nothing. Uh, so, didn't mean nothing by so it. So he wants to be a clown. His dad says, nah, clowns are shit. Fuck mm. you, kid. Mm. And then he becomes a clown. And... By a very strange coincidence, he ends up performing at, like, a rabbi convention. Like, the one place he knows he's going to run into his dad. Yeah, you'd think if you were Herschel Krostovsky, up-and-coming, clown about. Yeah. That you would Clown about town, yes. Clown about town. Yeah. You would probably turn down the offer to do the rabbi convention. Yeah. When you know your dad's the most prominent rabbi in the the state or whatever. And they say this is his first gig, and his dad immediately disowns him. 
Yeah. And like, who's because getting... he looks about 15 and also who's seen, maybe. Who's lining up a huge corporate gig as their first ever gig? Yeah. Like, aren't there open mic clowning nights? Are there open mic clowning nights? How do you get into the clown game? <laughs> Wouldn't that be great if you go to like an open mic night and someone just comes up with like big shoes and like a honky nose, like throws a pie in their own face? <laughs> you mean someone comes up with big shoes to fill? Big shoes to fill. Exactly. Big shoe. Yeah, big shoes to fill. Pie in the face. Pie in the face. <laughs> so imagine you've seen that. Who's this clown? <laughs> nice. Yeah. You know what kind of pie they would use if they were on a budget? They'd use the really small ones. The <laughs> party pies. So you just, yeah, you'd be at the open mic night and this guy would be like, man, I got this funny looking dick. <laughs> and then that guy walks up. <laughs> and then. <laughs> Is that your impression of open mic comedians? Yes. <laughs> hey guys, you know when you've got like, you know when you've got like a funny looking dick? Yeah. Hey, has anyone else ever had chlamydia? <laughs> so I went to my dad's place the other day. <laughs> and he's got a real funny way of talking about things. <laughs> uh, uh, he disapproved of my girlfriend, right? He referred to her as Clam Lydia, and I was like, Dad, please, she's been tested, she's clean. <laughs> Do you ever notice that women just be bitches? <laughs> so, anyway, <laughs> so really going hard on, this, we, um, on the open mic comedians here. Yeah, take that, open mic comedians. There are lots of open mic comedians I really like. Yeah, like and, the majority of them, fantastic. And, yeah, but God. Damn, there is. And the thing is, because I like, because I'm a reasonably nerdy and intense comedy fan, the number of times I've been an open mic comedian and someone's doing quite well in their set and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah. And then they start a joke and I just go, oh God, I see everything that you're going to do in this joke. They pull out that ukulele and they perform that like six minute song and the only joke is the chorus. Yes. Yeah. I did a gig with one of those recently. (laughs) Brilliant. It was tedious. Um, so, little Herschel Kostovsky, yep, pr- pretty good lining up a corporate gig when you're 15. Yeah, only that to was... immediately get abandoned by his father for 25 years. And the abandonment is His what father was... says to you, I'll see you again in 25 years, and then he's stuck in the Black Lodge for the rest of the time. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and... And the green bits of hair coming out of the side of Herschel Christosti's scalp are the twin peaks. That's true, they are. It's giving me something to think about. No, it hasn't. It's fine. I'll leave it. There's a... I think there's Herschel a... Herschel Christoff's Jow Day. Oh, I don't know how you know, to riff on We have peaks. a few listeners who came to this podcast after hearing me on a Twin Peaks panel at PAX. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they've told me that's why they're here. Yeah. I think his name was James, if you're out there. Possibly Sam Lindsay as well. Uh, Super fan we mentioned a few episodes ago. He definitely tweeted at us that he heard you at a PAX panel. Probably yep. the Twin Peaks one. I think it was the Twin Peaks one. Twin Maybe. Peaks. Was that the one you did with friend of the show, Paul Verhoeven? It was the one I did with the friend of the show, Paul Verhoeven. Paul, I'll allow the plugs, Verhoeven. Yep, 28 plays later. Not the director of uh, Showgirls at all. Why did I go to Showgirls? That's his worst film. did you go to Showgirls? Robocop. He did Robocop. Paul Not Verhoeven the Paul Verhoeven did. that I know, but uh, a Paul Verhoeven directed Robocop. But, and he's in 28 Days Later. Yeah, Danny Boyle's 28 Days Later. Yeah. He plays the zombie. Right. Paul Verhoeven's the yeah. zombie. Yeah. Is he also in Fido, the movie where Billy Connolly plays a zombie that someone gets as a pet? Uh, you're thinking of the dog Fido. <laughs> oh, the dog Fido. Yeah. From the nursery, right? Yeah. 
Sweet. Um, the interesting thing about uh, Hyman Krostowski's tactic is the reason he doesn't want Krusty to be a clown is because he uh, clowning brings shame on our family. I do not understand the idea that abandonment of a child is going to bring less shame yes. than clowning. Well, he doesn't almost, have a family after that. His son is his only family that we it ever see. It seems like a bad parenting tactic. I would go so far as to say that Hyman Krastowski is a bit of a... Would you... I mean... I'm busting out the big does, guns on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. Does, does Krusty... I feel weird referring to him as Krusty when he's still a kid. I feel like I should call him Herschel. Um, but does Herschel become, like, a ward of the state then? Like, does he go to, like, a state-run fucking... Well, there's the section of the show where he leaves the Simpsons house and he wanders the streets and he goes and, like, sleeps in a bus stop. And that's weird, because he has yeah. a house now. Is this meant to be, like, this is a life he has lived before? Oh. And he's revisiting it? He's re- uh, Yeah, he's yeah. returning to an... A, not an infant state. But the state, yeah. He, yeah, he's returning... Oh, that's an interesting one. He's going back and reliving his past yeah. so that he can go and change his past mistakes, James. Sure. But he didn't make any past mistakes. This is all oh, yeah, on his dad. Right. It's all on the dad. This is, it's so strange to me, this whole thing. Uh, you know the only thing that would have made this um, episode have a less... Uh, satisfying ending mm. if they if they did what they always do and if they'd magically flipped it so it was all about Homer at the end <laughs> that's literally the only way that this could have been less satisfying yeah it is very strange like the dad just shows up he's like son I forgive you or whatever and he's like I love you pop I'm crusty and then they like sing together on the air and everyone's like all teary and happy and he mm. Tells him he loves him. It's fucking weird. It's weird. Because, like, to get to get personal for a moment, I haven't seen my own dad for, like, 16 years. Sure. And the idea that if he suddenly reappeared mm. and said, hey, yeah, sorry, I'm back. Mm. You know, I, you wouldn't have, like, a tearful, happy reunion where you take him onto your TV show and <laughs> you dance back? around like a lunatic. Hang on. First of all, you have a TV show? Yeah, it's called Pods in the Key of Springfield. Ooh, shit. Um, Wait. Ooh. You weren't meant to know about that. Wait, is that is that why I've been seeing Danny DeVito come up in your recent call list? Are you doing a TV show with Danny DeVito? Uh, can you can you excuse me for a moment? I just need to lean into the mic and just say something secretive to. Okay, well I don't worry about who it's to. It's, well, uh, I'm not wearing headphones, so I don't think it'll Danny, be a problem. Danny, 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 defeats. <laughs> I think Nick's on to us. I think he's um he's picked up on the fact that we've been doing the TV show. And, uh, look, we're going to need to move the operation forward, okay? Is we... Paul Verhoeven involved in this? Paul Verhoeven? Yeah. The uh, director or just the guy I know? Friend of the show. Um, well, they're both friends of the show. One's a friend of the podcast, the other's a... Fuck, I did it again. Wait, have you been getting, you've been getting Hollywood directors on your TV show? Uh, can you excuse me for a moment? I've got to just whisper something to the mic here. If I find out that DeVito's been espousing time travel egg-based theories... On this TV show, I'm gonna be furious. Uh, Nick, can I offer you an egg in this trying time? <laughs> Please. <laughs> Just one more, uh, Paul Verhoeven. Um, if you are listening right now, big fan of Robocop, by the way, but we need to move the operation forward faster than we thought we did. Okay? Hang on, hang on. <laughs> Have you spun this out to now I'm being killed? <laughs> I think that was the implication, yes. Weren't we just talking about how abandonment is a bad tactic? (laughs) And you've escalated it to killing me? That's not abandonment. 
Well, I mean, it's removal. Oh, yeah, fair. Yeah, fair. That's fair. Now, there's a scene in this. Yeah, I take ep- it all back. In this episode, I take it all back. It's a valid tactic. Happy. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Look, would you like to come on the TV show? You can be a guest. <laughs> okay, sure, please. Please, guest me on your TV show. I mean, um, let me just check my phone for... Oh, IFC cancelled us. There's no more TV show. It's gone. What's, I, what's IFC? It's the, it's the station that the, the Comedy Bang Bang show was on. The International Film Channel? I, I think that might actually be it. The incredible fucking cast of things. <laughs> sure, why not? Sure. There's a scene where Krusty goes into a news agent. The Illinois Fried Chicken. <laughs> Illinois, yes, Illinois fried chicken. <laughs> Illinois fried chicken, less popular than the Kentucky stuff. It's Illinois fried chicken. is based on the Sylvian Stevens album. Really good album. Uh, fucking crusty goes into a news agent, <laughs> and he's looking at the magazines. And you've got um like Ballpoint Weekly, which is devoted to pens. You've good. got Jewish Father. There's all these like very niche magazines. Very niche magazines. Something The Simpsons does quite a lot, and something that as a kid. This might be another How the Simpsons Ruined My Life, by the way. As a kid, I used to read a lot of video game magazines. Sure. I'd watch a lot of The Simpsons. Yeah. And I think I had it in my head that there was a magazine for like every niche that could be out there. For every interest. Yes. Interesting. Like I remember once like eating a biscuit, like a new biscuit that had been released. And a thinking, new biscuit? Hang on, I've got to drill down on this. What biscuit was it? It was the Arnett Quattro. The Quattro? Yeah, it was like the caramel peanut, like the biscuity inside. Yes, okay, the I remember. Yes, it was a yes, very yes. good biscuit. Yeah, but I, I remember the Quattro. I remember it's, it. like a, um, it's like a, uh, a fucking, oh God, I dove into that without remembering the thing. It's like a caramel crown on steroids. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I remember eating one of those and thinking, is there like a magazine that has been previewing this biscuit for like the last year and a half for like biscuit enthusiasts? <laughs> Showing screenshots of the biscuit, <laughs> yeah. giving technical specs of the biscuit. Yeah, I like to imagine it'd be like video games where they just be like a six page breakdown about this biscuit is made. This biscuit's going to have a 30 bit, a 32 bit processor. <laughs> we just don't have the nut ratio down yet. <laughs> don't have the nut ratio. Which is also a problem that I have in the bedroom. Uh- <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's only gone and done it. I just, yeah. That's the joke I decided to make and now it's been made. Dan Castellaneta in this episode, much later on in the episode, plays a uh, radio guy, a DJ, I suppose. An uninterested radio DJ hosting a community radio show. Yep. On the show Parks and Recreation, many, many years later, he plays essentially the same character. Sure. Are the Simpsons and Parks and Recreation set within the same universe? Oh, well, that's interesting. Um, okay, let's look. Uh, can you expand further on other links? No, I cannot. Perfect. Is Amy Poehler Maud Flanders? <laughs> Do you think when Maud dies on the Simpsons, she becomes Leslie Nope in Parks and Recreation? Possibly. Okay. I don't know. I should clarify. I have seen literally zero seconds of Parks. I've seen a couple of gifs. Okay. Reaction gifs. Do those count as no seconds? Uh, I don't know. Do they? <laughs> I mean, well, so, okay. I suppose I've seen. To see a complete second, does it need to have the sound as well? Mm. Mm. I think. I think it might. Although, oh, but if it's got a caption under it, does that then replace the sound? See, I, I don't think I've absorbed any Parks and Recreation in the. Uh, content delivery method through which it was meant to be absorbed. Okay. I've only seen it through GIFs, 
have a very GIF-based understanding. GIFs and GIFs, got it. No GIFs, only GIFs. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. And so I, I can't really riff on this idea. Well, that's fair, because neither can I, really. I can jiff on this idea. I just thought it'd be fun to see you struggle with it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. It's kind of like when you help, when someone's helping you move house, you hand them the heavy box. Hey, this is really heavy. Yeah, I know. I thought it'd be fun to watch you struggle with it's it. It's not heavy. It's my brother. You know, that's how I usually deal with Parks that. Parks and Rec is your... The, the Ron, Ron Swan song is your yeah, brother. Yeah, Ron Swan song. <laughs> that was the name of the final episode. <laughs> the Swan song of Ron Swan song. I feel like we're um, we're going off a lot of tangents here to avoid the fact that this episode's not great. Oh, it's not great. Even though it has one of your Simpsons saving graces. Saving graces. Which is uh, Bart and Lisa teaming up to, to solve a little mystery. Yeah, but that doesn't really work for me as well in this one because one of my notes here yes. is that this literally becomes an episode about two children researching Judaism. Oh, yeah. yeah it's just okay. two kids, like, reading... Reading a bunch of like quotes from like uh, you know famous historical Jewish people, sure, and then repeating those quotes to the rabbi and him saying, "No, I don't agree with that quote. Yeah. I'm a rabbi." It's not quite the same level of investigation as the you know uncovering the mayoral election fraud stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, okay. it's just them walking up to this guy and saying, "Like you should forgive your son." Does the you know doesn't it say that a father should be like a, like bending like a cedar or whatever? And he says, no, fuck you. (laughs) And then they go off and they just keep coming back with quotes. And then the actual resolution is so deeply unsatisfying Mm. where they come up with like a quote from Sammy Davis Jr. That is frankly nothing special. It's just, you know, you know, the, why is it like the Jewish people are a swinging people, you know, they went through so much suffering, but they endured. Mm-hmm. He's like, never have I heard the plight of my people summed up so eloquently. It's like, okay, first of all, yes, you fucking have. This is yeah, not that impressive totally. a quote. Not that impressive. It's like, oh, if Sammy Davis Jr. said that, then I guess I've been wrong for 25 years. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's, it, yeah. it is a completely unearned resolution. Yes. I mean, I get that, you know, because obviously they spell it out. Because he then says, well, if an entertainer can think like that, maybe I've been thinking about entertainers wrong for this entire time. Yeah, if an entertainer but, could have spoken these two sentences. Yeah, but it is not eloquent enough to get that turn. And he has been... He hates his son so much. And also, when, the episode. when he discovers um, that it's Herschel at the rabbi convention, mm. I'm fairly certain he says if he'd been a magician, a musician or a jazz singer yeah maybe i would have been able to cope but this a clown you know what the like and then the resolution comes from a musician okay so i've just realized what this episode should have been what the episode, episode starts off been? about barge oh hang on hang on, hang on. what are you doing uh we, we're heading into james's rewrite corner oh, i don't remember which chords <laughs> are anyway James's rewrite corner. <laughs> okay, so the episode starts off being about Bart losing faith in Krusty. It's yes. about, you know, Bart doesn't believe that Krusty, you know, cares about him, and then Krusty has to come and, like, prove otherwise. I prefer to think of it as Bart losing, losing faith in Krustianity. Sure. So Bart has been shaped by Krusty, a lot of who he is comes from watching Krusty, much as how a lot of what we are comes from watching The Simpsons. Okay. So he starts going to the rabbi, and the rabbi keeps turning him down, doesn't like him. What should have happened is that the rabbi, Krustowski, 
should have formed more of a friendship with Bart mm. as this persistent little boy and come to realize the impact his son and entertainer has had on Bart. Oh. And then realize the value of what his son does through Bart. Okay, I guess the problem there is that Bart is a little shithead. He's but a- he's not that much of a shithead. Oh, he's kind I of like, so. he obviously loves this entertainer so much yeah. that he's willing to go out and fight for him. He has yeah. this like persistence. Mm. And, you know, he goes and he learns about the Jewish faith. Like he kind yeah, of, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. his father, the rabbi should have seen what Krusty is capable of through Bart. He should have seen what my son does touches uh touches the lives of these kids in this way yeah you know what he does is not so different from what i do in a lot of ways holy shit guidance yeah this is like the um this is like these are the dots i never joined yes yeah yeah that would have been a better uh, resolution yeah so i just outraged i mean i genuinely feel like that's better than what's in the actual episode i'm i agree yeah i'm with you and this is like the best show ever made so does that make me the best writer ever yeah, okay, yes. cool. Sorry, checks out. Okay, so if any agents would like a novel from me, I guess I could do that because uh, I'm able to do this, apparently. Yeah, um, take that, B- Bryce Courtney. <laughs> Bryce Courtney. Digging for an author. <laughs> Digging for... Take that, Enid Blyton. I like that you had a hard time thinking of a auth- an author at all. <laughs> yes. And then you said Bryce and had to spend a moment just like, who are the Bryces, right? <laughs> <laughs> Out of all the names I went for, I shot for Bryce, and then went fuck. I'm in a hole here. Um, yeah, should I should have done a call back to Enid Blyton? That would have been cleaner. <laughs> Except then you maybe because actually calling back to Enid Blyton means that you wouldn't have been able to cut out that bullshit about the magic faraway tree. <laughs> so I enjoy that too. Find a bit of connective tissue in this episode. In both episodes, there are little connective scenes tissue. that cut back to Barney and Mo. Watching events unfolding on the TV and reacting to them. Yeah. And I really like that. I think that should be a consistent thing in yeah. the show. Let's just check back in on what Barney and Moe think about this whole situation. I compare them to those two Muppets that you like. Oh, Statler and Waldorf. Statler and Walnuts, yes. <laughs> a Waldorf salad does have walnuts in it, exactly, I believe. Exactly, yes. Um, uh, yeah, no, I really enjoy Statler and Waldorf. They're fun. Yeah. So in the first one, they cut back to, I you know... I love it! It was okay! I hated it! They cut back to them watching the nuclear disaster and uh, he's like, well, I guess it's the end. Oh, it's okay. I had a good life. Oh, and then the second one was that they're watching Krusty the Clown and uh, I got something in my eye. Here, take my hanky. It's a disgusting hanky. Oh, and then that's it. Yep. Yeah. And then they come back as uh, the ghosts of Marley and Marley. Uh, yeah, Marley and former, me, the dog. Former business partners of Scrooge, yep. Yeah, Marley yep. And, and the little dog. Yeah, there's more of gravy uh, than the grave of you, you more good of gra- sir. There's more of gravy than of gravy. Ah, oh, fuck. We nearly went a whole episode with no fucking Michael Caine. About you. <laughs> and then I walked right into it. <laughs> fuck. Ah, oh, it's brilliant. Okay, okay. Yeah. So that was Homer Defined. And, and uh, like, like father, father, like... like Clownfish. It's a story about Finding Nemo. Yeah. Did they ever find Nemo, by the way? Unsure. Haven't seen the movie. What about Dory? Did they find Dory? Um, don't know. Haven't seen the movie. What about Susan, who they were desperately seeking? Was there? Is there a thing called Seeking Susan? Desperately Seeking Susan. Oh, desperately Seeking <laughs> yeah. Susan. No, I think she's off with the sisterhood of the magic travelling pants. 
I don't think they were magic traveling pants. I think they were just traveling pants. Where did that come from? I don't know. Just naming movies that you know. Naming movies I haven't seen. That's great. All right. Well, so in the end, we liked one episode. Didn't like the other quite as much. Mm. So it goes in this crazy world. Uh, you know what I've just realised? I need to stock up on ingredients so that I can make a Bloody Mary whenever I want. I've started getting into Bloody Marys. I can't do a Bloody Mary. All that tomato juice no, is just I'm, not for me. I'm really... I, oh, it's, I'm, I'm, now, I'm literally annoyed because we're about to go watch another set of two episodes and I'm really annoyed that I'm not going to have a Bloody Mary for it. <laughs> also, oh, But you know what you need to do? Just also, go in front of your mirror and say Bloody Mary three times and one will appear. Oh, nice. Um, also, I... <laughs> Late last night on New Year's Eve, I thought to myself, I wonder how far into January I can get without drinking. And now here I am angry because it's 4, uh, 10 p.m. And I, it, sorry, it's 10 past 4 p.m. And I am angry that I can't make a Bloody Mary. <laughs> well, that's a good precedent to set for the year. I think so. Thank you for listening to, to our, our fun little podcast. In the pods key. in the key. Springfield. Of Springfield, yes. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. I am Jaikel on Twitter. J-I-C-K-L-E. You are Nick Ibis. Nick Ibis. N-I-C-K-I-B-I-S. Collectively, we are Pods in the Key of Springfield called Key Springfield on the Twitter. <laughs> yes, Key Springfield on Twitter. You can email us, Pods in the Key of Springfield at gmail.com or on other social networks. You'll find us. You'll find us. Woozer Wuzzle. Happy New Year. Thanks for listening. Um... You got a thing for this? I might. Uh, thank you for saving our power plant with that idiotic rhyming! Wow, brown. Wow, brown. It's Do we need more sting for this? Uh... Was the stuff we had at the start any good? I feel like it wasn't, to yeah. be honest. Okay. Okay. This is becoming very difficult to manufacture sting at the end of it. I kind of feel like if we don't have a sting, it's not the end of the world. There have been a few where we haven't really had anything. I've just added like a clip from the show or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Clipsy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Clipsy. Clipsy. Clipsy, the clip show character. Clipsy. What are we going to do when we get to the clip shows? That, oh uh, yeah, I was just going to... Don't put this in or you'll give away the game. Yeah, okay. Okay. Bye. Okay, bye. Eeny, beeny, miny, moe. Catch a tiger by the toe. If he hollers, let him go. Eeny, beeny, miny,